So bear with me this morning. Uh, I wrote a poem called To My Mothers. And I wrote it in the beginning for my mother, Barbara. Uh, Her birthday was uh, the past few weeks. And as I began to write it, I then began to think of all the mothers who have influenced me. So it would be Barbara Butler, who is my adoptive mother, but just as much as any mother that I have. It would be Gladys Bynum, who is my aunt, who is just as much of a mother than anybody that I have. And it's to my biological mother, who is my mother more than any that I have. And so, like I said, bear with me. I don't recall the moment that I was conceived in you, but I recall the moment that I was received in you. You see, I was wrapped in warmth. The moment that I met you, the moment that my eyes saw you, I began perceiving you. I learned how to cleave to you. As I grew older, I I saw the immaculate beauty in you. Like boys to men saying, don't you know, mama, I love you. You guided me with your wisdom from boyhood to manhood. When life scarred me up, you bandaged my wounds like no one could. When I had my first heart crushed and I was crushed, you nurtured me with confidence to keep my head up. You said, baby, don't be in such a rush because love would soon find her way to me. So I thank you for showing me the beauty of womanhood from A to Z giving me the foundation of a virtuous woman that you showed me so unselfishly so that when I went to look for my bride-to-be, it would be heavily influenced by the seed that you planted in me. You showed me what love looks like behind closed doors and what it should look like in public, live vividly, that you, all humanity has dignity, not to be treated subjectively, but that love should be the objective in me that all relationships should be reflective, and that a good listener always listens from the heart's perspective. I don't remember the moment that I was conceived in you, but I will never forget for the life of me all of the moments that I was received by you to all my mother. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I thought Mike was getting ready to preach. I said, come on, Mike. <laughs> I'm a little hot up here, Tammy. A little hot. Wow, Will. Wow, man. And you, you, you had no idea of where I was coming from today. I didn't share anything with you. And remember, you asked me, uh, did I want to hear your poem? And I said, I don't want to hear anything. Uh, but brother, you, you just, you almost preached a sermon today, man. That was very well done. Very well done. Okay, will you one more time join me in wishing every mother a happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to every mother. Wow. 
If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Hold your place there. We'll come back to that. Uh, you know, we've set aside this day to give honor to, to mothers. And so it'd be remiss of me not to give honor to the two most important uh, mothers in my life, the two that influenced me the most. And my first is, of course, my biological mother, Arlene McCormick. I'll talk more about her uh, as we unveil the, the message today. But what an amazing woman. And then the second, of course, is my wife of 37 years, the mother of my two children. Uh, I am not the man that I am without your influence on my life and your godly example in raising godly children that know God and honor him is second to none. And so I honor you today for the woman and for the mother that you are. Let me begin by saying this, um, and, and you probably, if you've been here any period of time, you've heard me say this, but, but I, wanna, I wanna say it again today, specifically because of the occasion. I believe that woman is the crown jewel of all of God's creation. I, all the women said, amen. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the crown jewel of womanhood is being a mother. And so I want to say this, just, just short of one thing, just short of one thing, God's greatest gift to all of humanity is motherhood. I want you to remember that. Just short of one thing, God's greatest gift to all of humanity is motherhood. That said, though, I want to I just make sure that I'm clear. You know, often we pastors run the risk of hurting people on Mother's Day. We do. You know, we often extend praise to all the mothers for being good or extraordinary mothers. But the truth is, there are some moms that aren't good moms. There are. Uh, some of you didn't have good mothers. Some of you... Uh, for you, your moms were either absent or abusive, or maybe even your mother abandoned you at birth. For some of you, thoughts about your mom evoke uh, painful memories and not pleasant ones. These are all true. And the odds are in a congregation of this size that there are moms here today, talking about moms specifically, you sitting in here today, that there are moms here today that though you exude parental confidence on the outside, secretly you struggle with thoughts of inadequacy as a mother. Yeah. You struggle with whether or not your children are getting from you what they need to be successful in life. And then there are those of you in here that, that you desperately want to be a mom, but you can't. You can't have children or you haven't been blessed to this point to have children. And, and your biological clock is ticking, hmm. and you're haunted by the thought that you may never be blessed with a biological child. That's real, too. And I am also painfully aware of those of you that are sitting here today that this is the first Mother's Day that you're celebrating without your mom, and it's hard. So if you're here today, and, and today represents more of, of a day of pain and regret and loss, I pray that my words for you today will be encouraging and not harmful to you. I want to be aware 
of you today, okay? But there is a reason that we celebrate motherhood in such a fantastic way. And I'm not just talking about having biological babies, right? I love what Will said. You know, you don't have to have a biological baby to be a mother. Amen? I'm talking about the impact of motherhood, the impact of being a mom. You can be a mother without having children of your own. I grew up with many moms. I, I grew up in the day, everybody say in the day. I grew up in the day where all older women, you were taught to respect older women, and all the other older women, especially in the church, they were your mom. And they would tighten you up. Y'all know what tighten you up means? Yeah, they would tighten you up. And that means like pick you up and like tighten you up. We don't tighten them up like they used to, right? Yeah, they, yeah you get in trouble these days. But they would tighten you up, right? And then they would sing you to your mom. And because your other mom had to tighten you up, your real mom tightened you up. And then you had to pray that your real mom didn't tell your dad. Because you're going to get tightened up three times for just, for just one thing. <laughs> How many of you know that's true? Come on. <laughs> Stand it up. Amen. Yeah. Motherhood, man. Motherhood. Motherhood. Just short of one thing, I believe that motherhood is God's greatest gift to, to all of humanity. Are you at Genesis chapter 3? I want to I take you back. This is a familiar story to you, for those of you who, who may be visiting here. and You might not have the benefit of knowing the, the, the uh, story that we call the fall in Genesis chapter, chapter 3 where, you know, God creates man and woman and places them in the garden and the, and the snake, the serpent comes up and, and starts having a conversation with Eve. We don't know how long this conversation went on, but we do know that Eve was having a conversation with the serpent in the garden. At some point, he deceived Eve, he tricked Eve, and the Bible says that Eve went up and took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he ate it, and she ate it, but nothing happened when she ate it. It wasn't until she turned to her husband who was next to her and gave him the fruit and he ate it that all of humanity was plunged into sin, right? That's what happened. Look at verse 14. Look what God says to the serpent. I'm reading out of the ESV today. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, everybody say enmity. Hang on to that, we'll come back to it. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. Wow, think about this now. Nothing happened in the fall until man ate the fruit. But notice what God says. He addresses the serpent and he tells the serpent, I'm not going to put enmity between you and the man. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Wow. And between your offspring and her offspring, he will bruise your head 
and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. This passage here isn't just talking about the ramifications of the fall. Yes, God pronounced judgment on all of humanity. He did. But he also pronounced judgment on Satan there in this same passage. In this passage right here that I just read to you is the first proclamation of the gospel. Redemption for all mankind would come through the woman, would come through motherhood. Wow. Talk to you a bit about my mom. My mom, man. My mom is amazing. My mom is bad. I'll tell you something, man. I, you know, I was one of those cats. Everybody, you know, back in the day they had your, the, your mama jokes. I didn't play that, man. You weren't going to say nothing about my mama. I didn't play your mama jokes, man. I tell them quick, don't, don't talk about my mama. Because uh, you info, you talk about my mama. My mom is, man, my mom... <laughs> My mom came to Fairbanks on March the 7th, 1955, on the homestead back in the, back in the woods, in the wilderness of Alaska. No roads, just one road that my dad cut with a little, with a little D, was a D3 cable cat, right? Now, I want you to get this. Where my house is situated, we call it the wilderness because it's Three and a half miles back from one of the main roads, another mile and a half back in the woods, right? So I'm talking about the sticks. My mom came up pregnant and lived in a trailer on 160 acres of land back in, oh, I'm getting out of the way of the camera. <clears throat> 160 acres of, I know, I know. I'm so used to walking you guys and Nate gives me that stank eye and he's like, hey. <laughs> On 160 acres of land back in the middle of the wilderness, I'm just going to give you just a little snippet here. My mom would tell me at times it would be 50, 60, 70 below zero, 80 below zero in the wintertime, and she'd be back there in that little trailer by herself. My mom told me that she was there in the first fall that she was there during rutting season. She said she kept hearing big noises, big animals rustling against the trailer like they were trying to get in. And it was just my mom and the shotgun. That's all she had, right? My mom, man, I love, I love my mom. Don't you talk about my mama? One child and told my oldest brother, Herb, that's 1955. By 1960, she had five boys. And the children kept coming. Nine total. All, there's eight of us that survived. Nine total. So look at this. In verse 16, there are two statements. And at first glance, it appears that they're both the same, but they're not. They're different. The first part of verse 16, that statement has to do with the physical pains that a mother endures during pregnancy and delivery. Nine babies. God says, surely I will multiply your pain in childbearing. My mom told me when I interviewed her that she remembers every, every pregnancy and childbirth like it was yesterday. Wow, I see some of the, mom, some of the older mothers and shaking their heads say, uh-huh. Yeah, and here's what she says. She says, all childbirths are painful and every single one of them are unique. So she gave me some examples. I won't give you all of them because I'd be here for a long time because there were nine of us. So I'm only going to tell you a few of them. She said, her, my oldest brother, was her best pregnancy. She said, I never got sick one day, no morning sickness with Herb. Three hours of labor, bam, he was here. 
Isn't that something? She said, no, my number four son, Wayne, she said she sneezed her way all the way through labor and sneezed and had the baby in delivery. <laughs> and then she said this, I'm not, I'm not kidding. She said, and you were the most memorable. I said, really, Mom, yeah? She said, yeah, because I had the chicken pox when I had you. I said, that must be why I'm so intellectually brilliant. She said, no, that's not it. My youngest brother, Jeff, he's a second to the last. She said he was the most difficult because he didn't want to come out. She labored and labored and labored and labored with him, and finally they had to take some forceps and go in and pull him out. And he came out crying, like, I don't want to come out, man! <laughs> if you met him today, I hope you have a chance to meet him in July. I've asked him, I've invited him to come down and preach. You're going to love him. He's still the same way today, man. He doesn't want to do anything he doesn't want to do. Funny. And then my sister Danielle, she was, she's, she's 40. My oldest brother is 62, 63. My youngest sister is 40. I remember when my mom was pregnant with my sister. And I remember when she found out she was pregnant. She loves all of her kids, but like she was done having kids. So this, this was a surprise pregnancy for her, man. And Danielle was the only breech birth out of all the children. So my mom remembers every birth. And she says every birth was painful. Guys, I know, I know, you know, we get our bumps and bruises and our aches and pains and stuff, you know, from work and stuff. But how many fathers in here? How many fathers witness your, your wife go through labor pains? <laughs> Man! Woo! I, I told y'all... <laughs> I told y'all a while ago, man, I apologized to my wife. I said, I'll never do this to you again, I promise. But we had two kids, so I would like to kill Man, there's nothing like labor pains. There's absolutely nothing like labor pains. I remember my daughter-in-law just had our, our uh, granddaughter, Zion, and I remember, because I've been so far removed from labor pains, I, I remember walking up to the hospital kind of dreading her being in labor. She had been in labor for like nine or ten hours. And I walked in the room, and she was doing great. And my son was over next to the window. Like, he, he was like, he's like, like, you know, he's like all timid and stuff, you know. And I know now what he was just waiting for those next labor pains to come because, because all of a sudden things just change. You're nice, and those labor pains hit, and it's like, Ugh. <laughs> and so I grabbed my son, I took him out, man, and you know, I, I did the dad thing. I, I said, man, it's going to be okay. Why, man? Because labor pains are intense. Verse 16, the first half of that verse talks about physical pain that mothers have to endure when they bring children to this world. But I believe the second half of that statement, family, speaks to a different kind of a pain that the mother, that the mother endures. It's the pain in raising children. Verse 16b states this, in pain you shall bring forth, that word bring forth there in the Hebrew is raise children. My mother told me that raising children produced some of some of the most awesome times of extreme joy and pain for her, discouragement. My mom recalled for me one of the most hurtful experiences came in the church where she, was, she had gotten pregnant again, and she announced to just a few of the ladies, hey, I'm pregnant again, and she heard some of the other women over in the side talking about, pregnant again? Don't you know where that comes from? 
And she said, it, was, it crushed me because in the church that ought not be. Life should be celebrated. She said it was painful to hear. And then she said, I contrast that, Greg, though, with how quickly some of the older mothers came around me and gave me encouragement in those times. Mothers like Gertrude Thornton, who's like the only grandmother that I really knew growing up, who said to her, and I quote, go on and have your babies while you're young, honey. Do good by them and grow up with them and they will be a blessing to you. And then following that up with another of the older mothers in the church who taught my mother, and I quote, that your first and most important mission in life is not the church. That your first and most important mission is to be a godly mother. A fully engaged mom, be a fully engaged mom, refuse to neglect your children, raise them up and nurture them in the ways of Jesus. Be fully engaged with your children and love them unconditionally in good times and bad. And because my mom was a fully engaged mom and she nurtured all eight of us, all eight of us are following Jesus today and are living triumphant lives over the enemy. And then when I got married, my mom's love didn't stop there because my mother embraced my wife as if she was her own daughter and extended that same unconditional love for her, nurturing her in the ways of God, teaching her things that she didn't know about relationship with God. And then my wife and I, under my mom's tutelage, was able to pass on what we have learned through her to our children. The power of a nurturing mom. So why is the influence of a godly mother so important? If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. I want you to lock in for the rest of this message. Why is the influence of a godly mother so important? Because ever since the fall, there has been an ongoing battle between humanity and Satan. Ever since the fall. Listen to me. The mother who raises her children to understand their authority in God will see their children live victorious over any conflict that they have with the enemy. Are you listening to me? That's the influence of a godly mother. Verse 15, God says this, I will put enmity between you, the woman, you and the woman, talking to the servant, the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring. She shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. The word enmity here means an ongoing hostile struggle or conflict. So here's what God says here. The outcome of this conflict <laughs> for women who know how to nurture their children in the things of God, who teach their children the authority that we have when we find our identity in Christ Jesus, is that Satan will be like, uh, like something nipping at you. Have you ever had one of those nip-nip, yip-yip dogs just kind of sneak up on you and just like start grabbing you by the heel? You ever had that happen? Yeah. Somebody say, yeah. Listen, if you've never had it happen, you should go to Tammy's house, Tammy, Tammy DeWitt. She got this little, she has this little dog. It looks like a, like a Doberman pincer, but it's about this big, and it just won't shut up. 
And I really have this thing, I just, I don't want to, I think the dog's name is Mocha. I don't want to turn my back on Mocha because I think Mocha be one of those dogs that grab you by your back of your head and just start doing that. Listen, our mothers who know how to raise their children in the nurture and the fear and admonition of God, Satan's attack on us will simply be like a little bitty dog nipping at our heels. But the other side of that is when we understand the authority that is given to us by Jesus Christ, when we find our life in him, we won't be like a nipping dog against him, Matthew. Jesus said we will crush his head. Listen to me, mothers. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. The hand that rocks the cradle makes the difference between whether or not our children live triumphantly and victorious in Jesus or not. It makes the difference. Yeah. Hmm. This promise of victory that we've been given would come through the person of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we've been given kingdom authority to crush the head of Satan. And it's the woman, the mom, who plays the critical role in liberating humanity from the tyranny of sin. Apart from the Redeemer of all mankind, Mother is the greatest of God's creation. In her rests the hope of the world and the hope of the future. Look what Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. He says, but when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Everybody say, born of a woman. Born of a woman, born under the law. Watch this now. <laughs> to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Our society downplays the role of a godly mother, especially a, a mother who knows how to nurture and raise and rear their son and their daughters in the fear and admonition of God. But I said it once and I'll say it again. The hand that rocks the cradle is the most significant. Did you know that there is scientific data that says that our brains will do the most developing between the ages of zero and three years old? If I say discipleship, there is no greater discipleship opportunity that exists than a mom discipling her children in the ways of Christ. Yeah. So mothers, I want to charge you with this. Nurture your children in the things of God. Raise them to be godly young men and women. Teach them to know their identity as sons and daughters and the authority that we have in him when we recognize who we are. Amen?
And I know this is not Father's Day, but I, I got to say this to the fathers. Fathers, listen, support the mothers in doing what they are designed to do. Okay, I feel, I feel a little meddling thing coming on. Okay, I'm going to get on this and I'm going to quit it. Fathers, pay attention to how your, how your wives, your godly moms are raising your children and do not let slick little children come to you for something that mom has told them no for. Man, kids are good at that. It doesn't matter how much you tell them, dads. Hey, man, don't you, don't you come to me and tell me, ask me for something that mama already told you not that you can't have. <laughs> yeah, you watch how long that lasts. Wait till the next chocolate chip cookie's on the counter and they want one, and mom says no. And when it comes to raising our children, be sure we're on the same page. Yeah? You guys with me? All right. Oh, wow. I just had this song come to me. I don't know where these things come from. You guys, mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. <laughs> uh, I don't know, know where that came from. It just came out of nowhere, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. It just happened. I mean, there's, listen, there's some godly cowboys I know, right? And it's not all on the mom. All right, I'm, let me wrap this up. Let me wrap this up. Why y'all laughing, man? I know, I, have, I know I have squirrel moments. I know I just, these things just come to me and I just like, I don't know sometimes. Y'all pray for your pastor. Children, children, listen to me, children. How many people, how many people is a children here today? Let me see. How many, how many, uh, who's the English person in there? I know that like, pastor, please. It's not how many people is a children it's, okay, so how many of you are children? Everybody needs to have their hand up, right? Okay, all right. Listen, if your mother is still living, obey her. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Listen to what Ephesians says to the charge that it gives to the charge of children, or to, to the charge of children. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. It's just the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. Everybody say mother. mother. Well, this is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That it will go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Man, 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 man. I will never forget, I was probably 17 years old. I walked into my mom's room, and she looked distraught. And so I asked her, I said, Mom, what's wrong? She had on a, she had on a, a copper penny bracelet because she was developing arthritis. In her, in her, she had a copper penny bracelet on. I said, Mom, what's wrong? And she didn't want to tell me. So I kept badging her. Listen, I'm, I'm that kid that knew how to get anything out of that mom. I'm telling you, man. You call, me, you call your, my mom today, she'll tell you, yep. If, if, everybody knows if you want to get something from mom, 
go through grad because I could get it out of mom. So I badgered her and badgered her, and finally she told me. She said, the doctors diagnosed me with a rare aggressive form of sickle cell anemia, and I have anywhere from six months to 18 months to live. And I remember being devastated. And then I remember my mom telling me, she said, but God is going to heal me because I respected and honored my mom. And if my mom was here today, she would tell you that she turned her face to the wall like Hezekiah did. And she said, God, you promised me, you promised me that if I honored my mother and father, that my days would be long, that I would get 70 years, 80 by reason of good use. I got six kids, and I cannot, I cannot die of cancer. You got to heal me. My mom is 83 years old now, I think. And she is, she is full of fire, don't believe me? Go on and mess with me one time and see what happened to you. My mama gets you, man. Why, because why, why, why was my mom able to do that? You all listen to me. Because there is a promise. It's the first commandment with promise. There is a promise that God makes for us if we'll honor our mother and our father. We'll enjoy his blessings. And it'll go well with us. <laughs> and third is we don't have to incur the wrath of our moms. <laughs> yeah. Love her. Children, love your mother. If she's still living, let her know how special she is to her, to you. Let her know. Let her know how much you appreciate how she loved you unconditionally. <laughs> it sure feels good to know that you've had that love returned to you, doesn't it, moms? Respect her. <laughs> Respect her. Because I tell you, one day, you're going to have children of your own. And uh, I know that when I was a child, I always said, hey, when I have children, I'll never do this to my, yes, you will. <laughs> you most certainly will. My mom told me, she said, boy, I hope one day, I hope you have kids. I hope they look like you and act like you and walk like you and talk like you and give you seven times more fists than you gave me. I pray that on you in Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> so when Pelzetta was pregnant with my first child, when T was born, I said, mom, please, you have to take the curse off me, mom. <laughs> I don't know if that taking the curse off your thing works because our children are giving us the business. Good Lord Jesus. <laughs> I think all kids do. Respect your mothers. And, and to all the mothers here, what an amazing role God has given you. Be the best mom you can be. Be a godly mom. Nurture your children in the things of God. Yeah, to my mom, mom, I know you'll be listening to this some point. I love you. Thank you for investing in my life. And as I tell you every single Mother's Day, thank you for not putting a pillow over my head. <laughs> That's what my mom used to tell me. Whenever I acted, she said, boy, you, 
you, I could have put the pillow on your head. You could be giving me all this grief right now, Mom. Thank you for not putting the pillow over my head when I was young. And to Pelzetta, the mother of my children, I said it once and I'll say it again. Your influence on me, watching you as a mother, has been invaluable. There's, you can't put a price tag on it. And your children tell you the same thing. Thank you for being the mother that you've been, and thank you for being the greatest influence I think a mother could have on their children. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to every mother in here. We're going to take communion now, and I think we've got everything ready and for communion. So. Uh...